2: Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.
0: Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with
2: Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos, 6.30 Chad. All right. Well, the story tonight, the Toronto Raptors pull off their first double-digit comeback in their playoff history, outscoring Indiana 25-9 in the fourth quarter. They win 102-99 over the Pacers. The Pacers hit a three-pointer at the final buzzer. It did not count. It was not released in time. The Raptors go up 3-2 in that series. Blue Jays trailing 7-1 against the White Sox in the top of the eighth. The uh, action about to start in Red Deer. The Rebels home to Brandon in Game 3 of the Eastern Conference Final in the WHL. Brandon leads it two games to nothing. NHL night off tomorrow. Game 1 between the Islanders and Tampa Bay. And then Game 7 between Nashville and Anaheim. So we'll have a second round series and a first round series. uh, A game from uh, each series on the same day. Can also tell you that two months from yesterday... That's how close we are. The Edmonton Eskimos will play their home opener, their first game of the 2016 season, against the Ottawa Red Blacks, and that will be Jason Moss making his debut as the Eskimos' head coach. And I'm pleased to be joined by Jason right now. Jason, you're on with Reed Wilkins on Inside Sports. How are you doing tonight?
0: Great, Reed. Thanks for having me.
2: Yeah, thank you very much for making time for us. I know you're uh, already very busy ramping up for the new season ahead, and uh, you had your mini camp. In Florida last week, uh, give us a sense of, of, of how that went. Some pretty appealing players there. Or how did it go?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was there was lots of competition. I mean, it was our first chance together to get together as a staff um, and coach players, coach football, and start the season. Kind of the way I look at it, um, you know, it's always good to get out on the grass and, and, and coach players and, and watch them compete. And I think that's the big thing we got out of it. We have a lot of guys that are going to be able to compete at camp. So. We had a good competitive atmosphere there, and guys picked up the systems pretty well for a three-day kind of throw everything at them and see if they can swim or float.
2: Right. What What tone were you seeking to set as, as a coaching staff?
0: More than anything, we want competition. We want guys to be aware that they, you know it's up-tempo uh, system that we run on offense, and then on defense, they got to be prepared for everything. So uh, basically, you want competitiveness more than anything. We want guys that treat each other well and compete and compete hard so i felt like we accomplished all that while we were there you know the other thing is we wanted guys to pay attention uh learn what we were teaching them in meetings and then kind of apply that you know on the field i said swim and float i meant sink or swim and that's kind of what you what <laughs> i knew you what you meant <laughs> for, you know look for when the guys are doing that but because uh, we threw we threw quite a bit at them and uh, we wanted to just see kind of what you guys were capable of learning um uh, but then also how they competed and how they treated each other and treated the coaching. He treated everyone there at Dodgertown, you know, see what kind of guys we had.
2: Well, I, I, I'm, I'm glad you said the phrase up-tempo, and I'm sure fans listening now are glad to hear that as well. And I know that you're in in the winning business, whether the game is entertaining or not, but I, th- I think fans want an up-tempo game because it's often more entertaining. And I've always believed that if you're a football team or a hockey team, Um, you win not by reacting to what the other team is doing, but by taking the initiative. And I've always felt that, especially on offense, the up-tempo offenses in football are the ones that take the initiative and are often more successful.
0: Yeah, I I have to agree with you there, having done it last year and seeing what it does to different defenses, and um, particularly when you're successful on first down, what it can do, it kind of opens up everything. And you know, long drives and, you know, you get guys kind of on their heels a bit, the coordinator and the players as well. So, you know, we, we enjoy that as an offense and we know it's a weapon. Uh, the biggest thing is you got to get everybody, uh, on the same page early. And I think that's what we're going to do from day one and, and let guys go out there and, um, teach them and understand what we're expecting out of them. And I feel like if we can do that right from the beginning, we're going to be, uh, very happy with the outcome, um, our first game of the
2: season well and and this sort of leads into another another point and another question i wanted to ask you jason and i asked mike riley this when he signed the the new contract a couple of weeks ago i i said mike you guys went 14 and 4 and won the gray cup so it's hard to complain about the results but there were a lot of games where you fell behind and, and the offense was maybe sputtering a little bit and jason i know you weren't part of that journey last year in 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 green and gold but but mike expressed it would be nice to be the team with the lead a little bit more and, and not feel your way into the game offensively is that something you want to maybe uh guard against and maybe an area of improvement from last year
0: yeah i mean ultimately the Eskimos this year have to be better than they were last year i mean to, to repeat and, and and to do the things we want to do i mean every year you got to be better and you know i did look at that and we looked at that as a staff that you know, they were in a lot of close games last year and came. it showed a lot of fight. I mean, they didn't know how to finish. It's more about now being able to stay consistent and start faster. And that's going to be our model this year, start, start and stay aggressive and finish everything we do. And, you know, I think that's going to be a mantra for us that we're going to try to get the players to buy into that. Hey, we need to start better. And that goes with our preparation. That goes with every day that we're on the field, you know, looking to that, to do that. Um, the other thing we're looking for is continuity. I mean, the reason teams, the, the good teams, the teams that are successful every week and and get leads are the teams that stick together and, and play together and the guys that aren't injured and can kind of stay in there and play and battle together. And so that's what you're looking for. You're looking for a group of guys. You know, the 12 guys that start the season on offense, I would love to have those same 12 play all 18 games. That's our goal. And same thing on defense. I'd love to have 12 starters that can play all 12, 18 games because that's the continuity you're looking for. Um you know if you can get that the majority of your offense and your defense and your special teams same guys learning every week and playing together, you know good things happen obviously that's very difficult to do, but uh you know that's kind of the thing you need to do to be uh, to me um better more consistent, yeah.
2: Jason it this it, it probably isn't fair but but a lot of times coaches get labeled as you know a head coach gets labeled as an offensive coach or a defensive coach Chris, Chris Jones had been a defensive coordinator a lot of people said he was a defensive coach you were a quarterback and an offensive coordinator and a lot of people say you're you're an offensive coach I know that's probably not totally fair um but that's the perception and I guess along those lines um, and with Mike Benavides on board, do you anticipate being a little less involved in what the defense does, or, or how do you see that relationship and, and workload is going to play out?
0: Well, I mean, first and foremost, I'm an I'm offensive coordinator as well on our team. I'm a head coach and offensive coordinator, so until I give up the reins of being an offensive coordinator, I'm always going to have more hand in the offense. Just because I install, we in, I help install the offense you know, daily, you know, you're still calling plays. You're doing all those things with the offensive guys all the time. So, um, but I've got some great word of advice over, over the last, you know, six months from different coaches I've talked to, Scott Milanovich being one of them that said he's an offensive guy as well. And he said the time he spent with his defense last year paid huge dividends. He felt with the guys having more buy into him and more buy into his philosophy from the defensive side. I'm not necessarily going to, you know, have a hand in what our defense does. I just want to be around more. If I can be in a meeting, you know, every week, you know, and I, if I can give my offensive coaches more responsibility, which I, what I plan on doing, you know, I can be in those meetings and, and listen to the defensive guys talk and be around the defensive guys more because I really believe it is important. It's important to have that buy in from the whole team rather than just one side of the ball because I'm, I'm the Edmonton Eskimos head coach, not just the offensive coordinator or just the offensive coach. I'm a, I'm the whole thing. You know, I feel that way and, you know, want to be a part of everything that we do and feel strongly that everybody needs to buy into what our whole philosophy is as a team. And, you know, obviously it starts with the head coach and, and trickles down.
2: Jason Moss joining us on Inside Sports, head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos. Sticking with the offensive theme a little bit here, look, I I know you're thrilled to have Mike Riley locked up with the, with the new three-year contract. He's become a hugely popular athlete in, in this city for sure and you're an ex-quarterback how involved ideally is the quarterback in the play design or the offensive philosophy I mean all that kind of stuff probably a lot of it I don't even understand because I you know (laughs) I'm the guy asking the questions not drawing up the plays but uh, you know ideally is Mike heavily involved with that giving advice or do you prefer him to just be the guy that goes out and executes it
0: no, I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer in a guy that can understand what you're trying to do and has a hand in it, uh, thinking and, uh, planning always plays better in your system. So when he knows the whys of what you're trying to accomplish, you're always going to have a better quarterback. Um, the biggest thing that we always try to accomplish, we feel like the system that we provide a quarterback gives him a lot of answers and allows him to think his way through the offense. But there's always a time when he has the reins. You know in our meetings early where if he's stumbling around with why why we're trying to do something or he doesn't feel comfortable when he has a suggestion you know we always listen and we always adapt so there's things that we know work in the system and that he has to abide by and obviously Mike's been proven in this offense he can do it but when he's uncomfortable with something or has a better idea when we're in our meetings I always tell the quarterbacks I'll listen to every single thing you have to say but once we determine what we're trying to do and what we're going to do and how we're going to do it, there's never room for anything other than what we've said. So once it's said, it's set in stone. But I always listen. And I think it's always better for a quarterback to feel like he has a voice that makes him a better player.
2: Okay. couple more for you, Jason. Uh, the, the coaches challenge – scenarios i guess the, the situations where you can challenge have been I- I expanded i mean no yards is is in there there's going to be an eye in the sky official which doesn't relate to challenges how how do you feel about this uh, now the number of challenges you're going to have doesn't increase. I should I should remind people of that. Um, but how do you feel about this sort of expanded universe of the, of the video replay and, and that a guy who uh, uh, isn't even going to be at in the stadium on the field can have an impact, perhaps saying pick up that flag or this guy was offside as opposed to illegal procedure. How, you know, it's it's sort of a it's sort of an interesting road that the CFL continues to push down.
0: Yeah, I. I... I'd say it's a definitely interesting road that we're trying to push down. It's given us, huh, you know, more opportunities for the coaches to be wrong now. I mean, if you ask me, I mean, now it's there's so many things that we can challenge and so many times that we can do it, yet we don't get very many challenges to do it. So you got to pick the right one and understand. And then with there being more rules and more opportunities to challenge, you have to be really clear what you can and cannot challenge and how it's going to be perceived each and every week if it's going to be the same. I. To be honest, I'd almost rather have us put all of our money into helping our, our officials do what they're doing now is, is to get different training and bring them to our mini camps and fly them all over and, you know, do stuff like that with their training. You know, I'd rather almost put the money into that. But the way we're doing it now, I mean, like I said, it's, it's it leads it to where people are going to question probably the coaches of what they challenge more than anything and, you know, how they got it right or didn't get it right.
2: Uh, yeah, and I may be one of the guys doing that to you throughout the season, Jason, so I apologize in <laughs> advance. Uh, last one for you. Uh, but just to close up with another mini-camp thought. I, I mean, look, and I know there were a lot of good players there, and, and you got the competition that you wanted, but when you sign guys who... Who played in the NFL and have speed? They're going to get the headlines. What do you see from Jacoby Ford and Joe McKnight? And uh, I know they're not on that opening day roster yet, but any potential for how they might be used if they become Eskimos?
0: Well, they're both they're both going to vie for that returner job more than first and foremost. I mean, that's the biggest you know thing that they can do. I know up here uh, without you know ever looking at their skill set on the offense. So that's going to be a huge thing for us is to figure out who our returner is. But both of them showed flashes. It's flashes, you know. Obviously, Jacoby being a receiver by trait, you know, he can. You can run routes. You can see the skill set he provides. He's explosive. He catches the ball well. He can run pretty good routes. You know, getting in and out of breaks and things like that. Uh, his understanding of the offense is going to improve as he gets in further into it. Joe, it's kinda of hard to adjust to judge a running back in a mini camp because there's nothing inside the tackle that he's doing with the ball in his hands. But when he runs routes, he runs very smooth transition transitions in and out of breaks extremely well. So the and his catchability is great. So he's gonna adapt well to our system as well and into the league. It's just a matter of him them staying healthy and providing that spark in the return game and basically us choosing, you know, between a number of guys who could best suit that for us. But uh, they both have huge upside for our league
2: right on jason thanks a lot for making time for us uh, it's a, it's an exciting time for, uh, to have you back in the city and to be coaching this team of course we'll talk throughout the season i know camp is about a month away so uh, all the best as you roll into that
0: thanks a lot thanks for having me
2: that is jason moss head coach of the edmonton eskimos checking in tonight inside sports on six thirty. chet seven nineteen is the time of day and yeah uh, you heard his uh A little bit about his offensive philosophy. He wants this team to be up-tempo. He wants them to be prepared, and he wants internal competition. I thought it was interesting what he said about video replay as well. More opportunity for the coaches to be wrong. Video replay, a very uh, heavily debated topic over the last few months, mostly because of what's been going on in the National Hockey League. Here's what we're going to do. Quick timeout. So a few more thoughts on Jason Moss. You can text 630-630. I will catch up on that. And uh, John Ryan, punter for the Seattle Seahawks, is ahead as well. You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Have you along for the ride tonight? It is 722. Inside Sports on 630 jet Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Some other news and notes today. Former NHL star Brian trache among seven individuals named for induction into the Canada Sports Hall of Fame. He won six Stanley Cups as a player, another as an assistant coach, but says this honor ranks first among his individual achievements. I was
0: born here. I was raised here. It'll always be home. Canada will always be home. I think it's probably my highest honour as an individual and athlete. I think for my family, I'm excited for my family. I'm excited for that tribute.
2: I can't can't thank people enough. Also... Inducted Four-time Grey Cup champion Mike Pinball Clemens. Remember him? Came to Canada in 1989 expecting to play a couple of seasons with the Toronto Argonauts, but is now a Canadian citizen, something he says he never expected. Played one year in the NFL and, and it was was really just, I had a job working with a, a um, company called Honeywell, and they were going to pay for me to get my MBA, and so I had life figured out, but I couldn't get this football thing out of So I said, you know what, I got to come up here, I'm going to play a couple of years, and then, you know, I get it out of my system and we go, and so, so this is a couple of years later, right? <laughs> All right, that's Pin Paul Clemens, one of the good guys to play in the Canadian Football League. Uh, despite missing a fair chunk of the season because of a back problem, Steve Kerr of the Golden State Warriors, the NBA Coach of the Year. Golden State Steve Kerr is the NBA's Coach of the Year after the Warriors set a league record with 73 wins in the regular season. Kerr received 64 of 130 first-place votes, beating out Terry Stotts of the Portland Trailblazers who had 37. Three-time Coach of the Year Greg Popovich of San Antonio was third. Kerr is the first Golden State coach to get the honor since Don Nelson in 1992. He missed the first few months of the season
1: with back surgery, assistant coach Luke Walton. who ran the team in his absence, picked up a few Coach of the Year points himself. Warren Levinson, New York.
2: All right. Well, Luke Walton was the interim head coach. Didn't get any of the wins officially on his record. Uh, So Kerr gets to be the Coach of the Year. Uh, Interesting notes here. uh, By the way, speaking of the NBA, the LA Clippers, Blake Griffin, left quad injury, done for the rest of the playoffs. And Chris Paul had right hand surgery, so he'll be out for a while. That series is 2-2 with Portland. And the winner faces, well, likely Golden State will finish off. Houston, winner, winner faces Golden State in the next round. So uh, Portland, advantage for them in that series. You can text us to six thirty six thirty. We had a text earlier from someone calling himself electrician. Am I the only one who gets the feeling that Hall ticks teammates off and has a bit of a bad attitude too? Well, my answer was no, you're not the only one who gets that feeling because I, I get I get texts like that about Taylor Hall all the time. Shorty says, I'm a pretty big Oilers dork, and I watch 75-plus games a year. Well, first of all, watching hockey doesn't make you a dork, Shorty. So don't feel that way about yourself. He goes on to say, so i got to ask, what does Hall do or what do people see to make them think he's not a good teammate? Because I don't see it. That is from Shorty. Well... Here's the deal. People complain all the time about Taylor Hall's body language. Well, he gets angry, he gets frustrated, he looks down, he looks sulky, he takes, you know, a couple unsportsmanlike penalties a year. Uh, not everything Taylor Hall does is conducive to appearing to be, you know, a player who forges on through adversity without getting upset. So uh, Shorty, as a result of that, some people have written him off as, as a teammate and as a leader and as a human being, some of them. Um, I, I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. Uh, I, I I mean, almost anybody who plays pro sports at some point exhibits poor body language or gets upset. Does Hall do it a little too often? Yeah, probably. Do I have a problem with him reacting that way? No, I don't. And as Rob Brown made the point once during the season, the players can't win. If you're on a bad team, you can't win. There's a group of fans that get on Taylor Hall for his body language. There was a significant group of fans who got on Justin Schultz because he appeared he didn't care. So what do you want? Do you want a player who looks lackadaisical and like he doesn't give a crap? Or do you want a guy who's going to bang his stick on the ice and and look upset sometimes because things aren't going his team's way? Can't have it both ways. What do you want? Uh, so, that, I mean, that, that's the reality with Taylor Hall, and look, I'm not going to change anybody's mind here. I, I, just, I just think almost any player, any athlete at a high level at some point looks a little frustrated or shows bad, 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 bad body language. Now the reality with Hall is, I don't think he's a bad leader. I think he has leadership qualities, but again, to go back to borrow another Rob Brown quote if Taylor Hall was the obvious captain of the Edmonton Oilers, he already would have been made the captain. This is JC Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. 7.33 Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Hey, uh, I'm looking forward to this Black Frog segment, Kellan Kennedy.
0: That's good. It's going to
2: be neat. Yes, sir. So there's this uh, pub in Vancouver. It's called the Black Frog, and it's an Oilers fan gathering place in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. I wonder how that happened. Well, we're going to find out. Exactly. When are we doing that, 8.30ish? Sure. About an hour? Yeah. Let's do it around there. Sure. Marion is going to be on the show. She's one of the owners of the establishment. Right on. In a few minutes, uh, later this half hour, we will get to John Ryan, the punter for the Seattle Seahawks. That'll be fun to have him on the show. No NHL tonight. Round two is going to start tomorrow with the Islanders at Tampa Bay. Then they'll finish round one, Nashville and Anaheim. On Thursday, Pittsburgh is at Washington. We had Jason Chimera on the show earlier from the Washington Capitals. He's set to go. And uh, St. Louis will play Dallas in Game 1 on Friday. The Blues with that big Game 7 win last night. 11.45 to go in the third period. Gustafson. Blocked by Fabry at center. The Blues tip it in. Have a man going into the middle. Stastny has the puck. Paul Stastny to Fabry. towards the goal. Post to post. No goal. Fight went on. The referee waved it off. I don't think that crossed the goal line, Jason. Gross. St. Louis Blues broadcaster with the call last night. Great series, great game seven. St. Louis got up two nothing. The Hawks tied it two two. Really tight game. Did you see the were you watching when the that happened after the show ended last night? Did yeah. you see the double goal post? Oh yeah. That was nuts. I Insane. thought it was like when Insane. I first saw the puck there, I'm like, Oh, that went in and out really fast. And then mm-hmm. you're like, wait a minute. That hit both posts. And yep. then yeah, the replay both posts. Yep. So the Blackhawks uh eliminated in the first round. So uh who have we had win the Stanley Cup recently? We've had uh 3 for Chicago. Yeah. We've, we've had, had 2, two for, for Los LA. Angeles. Yeah. We had 1 for Boston. Yeah. In the last 6 years. So we're guaranteed a new we Cup have one. we had Pittsburgh before. the Pittsburgh could win again. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. But, but they're be there'll be a new winner from the past 6 years, right? Mm-hmm. LA's out. Yeah. Uh Chicago's out. Boston didn't get in again. Yeah. Boston Bruins by the way with a 1% chance. Of winning the draft lottery and, and picking first overall on Saturday. We will have coverage of the draft lottery for you right here on 630, Ched, starting at 5 o'clock. Special presentation that night. Mm. So hedge your long shot bets on Boston. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, we should start a pool. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, people were asking about this because I think they missed it. Should we play Dan Boyle on Larry Brooks again? Sure. If people missed, missed it earlier because somebody yeah. was texting you that they heard something about it, they missed the start of the show and we did this. So Encore if, presentation. if you've missed this, you'll enjoy it. If you already heard it, uh, it's only a minute long so you can hear it again. So Dan Boyle from the Rangers doing their locker cleanout today, doing a media scrum. Dan Boyle likely to retire mm. after a long career in the National Hockey League. And uh, not happy to see a couple of members of the media.
0: So I don't want you. Perfect, perfect. I want you out of here. Nobody likes you. Nobody respects you. Just so you know, at least I'm leaving here with the respect of my teammates. Instead of somebody f- like you that tries to bury somebody. That's all you do. Not a critique, but I'm just telling you I don't want you here. I have no respect for you. I want you to get the out. No, no. Well, I can tell you to get the out if I want to. You can. not Yeah, you do. Okay,
2: guys.
0: I want him out and the other clown, Brett, or whatever the his name is. Where's is he at? We're done, guys.
1: We're done.
0: I, everyone else is fine. No, we're
1: done. We're done. We're done. You know, if you have ask me. Like oh, well,
0: well, politely? Why would I be polite with you? Are you kidding me? No, just, oh, just leave. I just don't. I, I we don't need. To grow, up. <laughs> <laughs> grow up. I just want you to leave. That's all. Well, I'll walk over here. See. I just want you to leave. I don't want I to see what? you. We going through this. I'm not leaving. I... Is it
2: not my right? All right, <laughs> there it was. If you missed it, Dan Boyle telling Larry Brooks and another reporter from the uh, Brett Sorgalis to get out doesn't want to doesn't want him in his media scrum get out of there just get out it's his right isn't it his right to throw the media out like I, I don't know I guess it is well they are in hit, it, when you walk into the dressing room you are in the player's house right so true but there are times when you're allowed in there oh that's true yeah. right and it is a, a time when the media is allowed to ask questions I guess you could yeah. just ignore any questions that that reporter asked mm-hmm. I don't know uh, anyway sort of amusing Kind of tense, too. Old-timer uh, says, I don't care if it's sports or business. If you don't show a little pat passion, you're not much good to anyone. So good on Taylor Hall for how he shows emotion. That is a text from Old-timer. And Shorty texted back saying, Dork is just my way of saying big Oilers fan. All right.
0: Fair enough. Are you I ready told... for a WHL update? Do it. Okay. So second period. Yes. Going on in uh, Red Deer tonight. And the rebels are up four nothing. Whoa! Wow! They're crushing them. They are crushing them. And your
2: buddy
1: Cam Moon is busy with the goal calls tonight.
2: All right. So Red Deer's up four nothing on Brandon. The series is two nothing for Brandon. So the rebels got to win this one. And uh, the other game, I don't think it's started yet. Has it? No, not yet. Kelowna at Seattle. Uh, Seattle's up two nothing in that series. Uh, Ryan says, play the Tortorella clip with Brooks from a few years back. Well, we have that one too. We played it earlier. Apparently a few people weren't listening off the top tonight. That's okay. We do have some classic Tortorella and Brooks. Just for you, Ryan.
1: Said one of their guys have taken a third man in. I'm not going to answer any questions from you. You're not no. Oh, good. Yeah. I'll speculate. you speculate and be as, be as sarcastic as you I can will. be, as you usually I will. are. I will. Go right ahead. Good. Did, uh, should one of you guys are taking a third man I said I'm not taking your answering any of your questions. No. Have you ever fought before? Yeah. You have? Yeah. Why? Are you challenging me now? No, no, I'm not okay. challenging you. Okay. okay. You know, Red Redden Redden sticks up for his teammates the other night, Yeah. and you come come out with some sarcastic article. It was funny. It was funny?
0: Yeah. Well, you know what? It... You're probably beat up in the bus stop
1: most of the time. I think so, huh? <laughs> Next.
0: Johnny McLean? Yeah. You should ask him. Are uh, you answering no those questions or what? I guess that's what I'm saying, Brooksy. You get that through your head? I guess so. Yeah. And it's time kind to of waste your time. Oh, then get the yeah. out of here then. Yeah. Okay, see ya.
2: All right, there it is. Just uh, by de, de, by popular demand. Well, by Ryan's request, we played it. We played it off the top of the top of the show as uh, as well. Ah, you know that happens. I mean, it's never happened to me to that extent. I've certainly had athletes and coaches unhappy with me. They just get annoyed or they don't like the the question. It happened when I covered high school football in Lloydminster. Hmm. It happened when I covered junior hockey in Lloydminster. Mm-hmm. Uh, Couple times an Oilers player has been openly uh, confrontational with me during an interview—not confrontational, but openly displeased with me in an interview—or mm. a little melthy. Mm. Sometimes it happens. You just mm-hmm. got to roll with it.
0: Exactly. You just got to roll with it. Uh, quick, cor- uh, quick correction—I should say—from earlier, they are in the first
1: period, just ending the first period, or not in the second period. Oh yet, yeah, just started at seven, so yeah, it's already four nothing
2: yeah. Red during in the first.
1: In the first period, they've already swapped goalies. Uh, Brandon has so.
2: All right, 780-49-600-63. You can also text us at 630-630. Here's what we're going to do. Quick timeout, and then we're going to go little four-down football talk. John Ryan, Regina native, punter for the Seattle Seahawks, coming up next on Inside Sports. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader 630 Chat. didn't do well today they have lost 10-1 to the Chicago White Sox to fall to 10-12 on the season R.A. Dickey six innings eight hits six runs allowed a walk three strikeouts he allowed two home runs Blue Jays lose 10-1 to the White Sox they're 10-12 on the season the White Sox up to 15-6 the Raptors 25-9 in the fourth quarter they beat Indiana one oh two ninety nine to go up 3-2 in that series. Reed Wilkins with you at 745 Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Hey, I'm pleased to welcome back to the show the punter for the Seattle Seahawks, proud Canadian John Ryan. John, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on yeah great to have you back on the show it was uh it was two years ago when we first talked to you when you guys were coming off a super bowl win and uh i know you're you're trying to get back to to that championship level but but for you personally uh i guess pretty big off season for you how are you feeling about the uh the new contract and, and sticking around with the seahawks
1: yeah yeah really good you know everything worked out uh even better than i could have thought you know just want to the goal is to keep on playing football and uh for them to kind of sign me to this four-year deal, and you know, going in this season will be, you know, my thirteenth year, so it's just it just been very, very fortunate to have uh, had this long career, and you know, hopefully, you know, play out this contract and you know, see where it goes from there. I mean, when you're when you're growing up in in
2: Saskatchewan and, and kicking in the CFL, could have you ever imagine, uh, imagined that you'd be an, an NFL regular, a long-term punter in the league?
1: You know, it was, always a, it was always a dream, obviously, you know, but, uh, you know, some days, you know, it's all a, little, a little far-fetched, you know, when you're in the middle of the prairies uh, practicing and, you know, minus five weather and, uh, you know, the NFL seems pretty far from there. But, uh, as I said, I've just been, been very fortunate in the way things have worked out for me.
2: Were there uh, kickers that you idolized or tried to emulate or looked up to when you were a younger guy?
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, Bob Cameron was a big one, you know, uh, growing up. Uh, on the prairies, you know, is obviously, as you know, in Edmonton too, is uh, CFL's is number one, CFL's king. So we grew up, uh, growing up in Regina, you know, we'd always watch all the uh, all the uh, CFL kickers and, you know, guys like, uh, you know, Hank Lissick and uh, uh, Sean Fleming in, in Edmonton. Those are the kind of guys that kind of grew up, uh, you know, idolizing and uh, trying to make my game, uh, you know, look like theirs. So it's, uh, those are the guys that kind of watched all right, now I'm, I'm going to do something
2: possibly foolish here, John. I'm going to try to ask you a technical question about punting. And trust me, your punts probably go about 10 times longer, <laughs> farther than, than I could go. But has has the has your style changed? I mean, I know sometimes I read and hear stuff about guys dropping the ball. Like, is, is, it, is it the nose down drop now so the ball flies differently? Have you done that? Do you incorporate that? Or what can you tell me about that?
1: Yeah, I've incorporated a lot of different kicks. It's, it's funny just to see how much, uh, just even from the you know eleven years ago when I came down here to see how the punting game has evolved. Uh, you know, back then it was you know just do a straight traditional punt, and now guys have the end over end, the boomerang, knuckle balls. You know, there's a there's like five or six different punts that you can that
0: you can hit that you know
1: give uh, give returners headaches and makes it a bit of an advantage for your uh, your coverage team. And it, and it all
2: comes down from from the angle you're dropping the ball onto your foot. Is that it? Most of it.
1: The angle and, and your footwork, uh, you know, there's, there's a, a few different things that kind of play into it. You know, there's, it's pretty cool to, to, to see if, uh, you know, you're kind of a, a kicking geek like, like myself and see some of the things that these guys are doing now. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun to watch if you kind of want to watch the inside of the game like that.
2: Right on. Seattle Seahawks punter John Ryan joining us on Inside Sports tonight. How is your nose doing? Didn't you break your nose against the Minnesota Vikings in that playoff game?
1: yeah I broke it pretty good yeah they they were uh they they said broken about as bad as I could break it, you know when they took the x rays after but you know they they popped it back into place and it was you know really it was it was pretty much hundred percent within two weeks and there's, there's no uh no ill effects. You know, once I retire, I'll have to get some some surgery just to fix some stuff up inside of there, but you know it really didn't bother me at all after uh, you know that first week. All right. Well, does that give you some
2: some street cred with your with your teammates? Because whether it's fair or not, sometimes punters get that you know that label, right? They never get hit. They don't have to be as tough, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. You know, just for for being around as long as I have, and you know, doing uh, some of the things that I do, you know, like working out with the the linebackers and whatnot. You know, so I kind of got I got a little bit of street cred in the locker room just for for doing stuff like that, and you know, taking taking a hit like that, like I did in the uh, the playoff game there.
2: Okay, good stuff. I, I want to ask you about that that playoff game in Minnesota. Uh, first of all, how cold was it compared to other cold games you've played in?
1: Um, temperature-wise, I think it was the coldest. You know, I've played in some some cold games, and you know, obviously been in some cold weather growing up on the Prairies. But uh, you know, I've played in some some pretty terrible games in Green Bay, and uh, we had a game in Chicago back in '07 that was pretty awful, but. This one, uh, it was it was about as cool as it could possibly get. I mean, it was it was awful. <laughs> it was it was a uh, no. Uh, you know, it's kind of one of those things that uh, I told the guys. You know, you're not going to tell stories about uh, 25 TV games, but you're going to tell tell stories about uh, games like this in, in 20, 30 years. So, you know, try to enjoy it, but uh, you probably won't.
2: Well, that's interesting. When you list the coldest games you played in, the, you know, you played high school and, and university in Regina, and you played in the, in the in the CFL for two years. Yet, none of those, no games played in Canada, make your coldest games list.
1: No, no, they don't. You know, and I think that's partially because you know the the CFL game. You know, we we I, I never made the playoffs in the, my CFL career, the two years. So, you know, we're done at the end of October, know, it's really, really just starting to get that cold, but. You know, a place like Minnesota has, you know, probably similar weather to Manitoba. And, uh, you know, this was, like, in the middle of January. So, I mean, it was, it was uh, brutally cold. Um,
2: I want to ask you another question about that Vikings game. You guys won. Blair Walsh for the Vikings missed, a, I think it was a 27-yard field goal right at the end that allowed you guys to advance. You know, as as a guy in the in the kicking brotherhood, I, I know you're exciting the Seahawks one. But did you did you feel for Walsh a little bit?
1: How did you how did you? What were your emotions there? Oh, absolutely. You know, you, you feel awful for the guy. You know, it's a uh, there's, there's a human element to this too. You know, as fans, just kind of look at a guy as a, as a player. You don't realize that you know he's got to go home and you know he's got to his, his kids have to hear to the playground and his his wife has to hear to the grocery store. And you know, you know, those are things you think about for a guy because. And that's the things that are really hard about uh, being a pro athlete is you, you can take the abuse, but then it's, it's just unfortunate that the people already have to hear it too.
2: Yeah. All right. I, I got I got to go a little further back in time here um, to, to the previous season, to the 2015 NFC Championship game, because I, ha- I haven't talked to you since. You threw a touchdown pass uh, to to kickstart the Seattle comeback in one of the classic playoff games uh of all time can you can you take me that back, back to that to that play call your execution of it how much you've practiced it just some of the the, the details of that moment
1: yeah it was a play actually we put in on a thursday morning so uh you know we, we ran it in practice you know we ran it at full speed in practice maybe two three times uh didn't walk three five or six times but it was one of those plays that uh you know, as long as everyone's on the same page, it's not a, a really difficult play to execute. You know, you just have to have uh, everyone do the do the right thing. It's not uh, not about a lot of timing and uh you know, for me I just uh, I recall the 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 situation and everything. It was just the absolute perfect perfect storm for us in uh, being down by nineteen points. Uh we're right on the, the the point of the field that we want it to be. You know, if a field goal fake is not successful, you know, you turn the ball over at the whatever 25, 30 thirty-yard line instead of something a lot farther back, so it, everything was just a perfect situation, and we uh, we executed perfectly too. And you know, the rest was kind of history. It's kind of uh, a kind of fun to be part of that history.
2: Well, yeah, for sure. Was there an option for you to to run with the ball if if Gilliam would have been covered and maybe there was some opening for it? Him? Was
1: a it was actually it was a it was a run first play. Okay, you know, we were trying to put uh, trying to put their linebacker on an island and you know trying to make him decide whether to play the run or play the pass. And uh, you know that's that's what it was. So you know it was it a run first, uh, run to my left, and then the linebacker came up, and it became a pass. So that's uh, that's kind of how it went. All right. Well, we look back before I let
2: you go, John. Let let's look ahead. Does the Seahawks have, you know, over the last three years, I guess four years even, been you know one of the the better franchises in the NFL playoffs, couple Super Bowl appearances. It's It can be hard to stay good and stay near the top, though, for a long time. Um, why do you think you guys will be able to be strong again going into this season?
1: I think we're hungry again. You know, not that we haven't been hungry the last couple of years, but, you know, everything feels, you know, we we'll are only back for a week and a half and haven't really gotten the, the football part of it uh, very much yet. The guys, uh, it, just start, it feels a lot like it did back in 2013 where, you know, guys are uh, trying to prove themselves all over again. You know, uh, we didn't play up to our standard in the last, uh, last couple of years, really, to be honest. And, uh, you know, guys kind of taking that up personally now. And I think that's going to result in just, uh, you know, a bunch of guys with chips on their shoulders. And that's kind of the, the kind of guys that Peter's gone after in the recruiting and in, in the draft process. And now I think it's, you're just going to see a bunch of really, really hungry guys looking to prove themselves again. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a good season for us.
2: All right, and well, I lied. Here's my final one, and it's going to be a quick one. Given that you're a Canadian uh, watching any NHL playoffs, and if so, who do you like?
1: <laughs> so I've, I've I haven't watched hardly any. You know, I've uh, kind of kind of cheering for Washington, Washington with uh, you know Barry Trotz, the head coach from from Saskatchewan. I went went out there a couple weeks ago to uh, to watch them play uh, Pittsburgh, and you know, just a, a great guy. So you know, with no Canadian teams, it's kind of rough, but uh kind of, kind of pulling for Washington.
2: Right on. John, thanks so much for joining us here in Edmonton. Always great to talk to you, and all the best rolling into the 2016 season here.
1: All right. Anytime.
2: Excellent stuff. That is John Ryan checking in on Inside Sports tonight. Punter for the Seattle Seahawks. They're currently doing some uh, off-season workouts in Seattle, so great for John to catch up with us. Uh, Looking back on uh, this past season, past couple of years really, going back even to his classic pass for a touchdown on a uh, fake field goal against the Green Bay Packers in the 2015 NFC Championship game. That one's gonna. That was a great game. One of one of the best football games you'll ever see. Well, for Seattle fans, I guess. Green Bay fans probably don't remember it so fondly. It is 7:56. the Blue Jays were crushed tonight, wasn't it? What was the score in that game? Wasn't it 10-1? Why is the TV saying 9-1? Did he take a run back, or...? I don't think so. No. The uh, internet says 10-1. Sportsnet has 9-1 on their font, which they now just took down.
0: Maybe the font is incorrect.
2: It was 10-1. There, they just fixed it. They're confusing me, Sportsnet. Don't mislead me. Uh, 10-1. White Sox have won five straight and outscored their opponents 30-10. Over that time. Still ahead, Serge Lejoie will check in, coach of the U of A Golden Bears hockey team. He's back from being on the coaching staff for the Canadian team at the Under 18 World Championship in North Dakota. Of course, we had Tyson Jost, St. Albert native from that team, on the show last night. Marion Duisburg as well from the Black Frog, an Oilers pub in Vancouver. We'll see how that got started. The Raptors won tonight, 102. 99 over indiana big fourth quarter comeback for the raps to go up 3-2 in the series as you heard kellen mention earlier red deer leads brandon 4-0 after the first period game three of their eastern conference final in the western hockey league uh, brandon riding a 2-0 series lead into that game tomorrow our guests will include former pittsburgh penguin now a radio analyst analyst with the team phil bork as he'll help you get you ready for that uh, second-round series between the Penguins and the Capitals. Back after the 8 o'clock news. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.